Hello there, and welcome to episode 8 of this series of What You May Have Mythed. We have travelled round much of Europe this series so far, and once all the way to Asia. But this week we are heading back to another country that borders both continents. I have wanted to go to this country for quite a while, not only because its history, landscape and culture are wonderful, but because it is the place that invented one of the most important beverages to ever have existed. This week we are heading to the home of wine, Georgia. Delicious grape juice is our playground for today, and a story that, much like the Battle of the Birds from last series, you could not guess where it's going. However, it is a highly entertaining tale, or at least I think so, and should make a humorous change from last week's darker stories of the jackal. But before we start, a quick reminder that there are going to be shorter weekly episodes after this series is concluded about everything from mythology to history, so I hope you will enjoy them. If you have any suggestions for shorter episodes or have any questions whilst you're listening to this, then feel free to drop a message to the mythspodcast at gmail.com or ping a message on TikTok or Instagram. And if you could hit that download button on your device instead of just streaming it, then that would also be enormously helpful to me. Now then, let's get into today's story. The Two Thieves There was once a thief called the Big Thief, and one day this Big Thief went into a town to do some burglary. When he had gone an unspecified distance, he met a man he had never seen before. "'God give thee victory! May you be victorious!' they said to one another. "'Who are you, and what is your trade?' inquired the Big Thief. "'My trade is thieving, and my name is Little Thief,' said the unknown man. "'Ah, what fortuitous circumstance be this!' I, too, am a thief, so let us join in partnership. He agreed, and they became partners. Now, I am no expert, but I would not think that introducing yourself as a thief to a complete stranger is a wise move. As I said, I am no expert, having never stolen anything. Except for the odd beer glass. And maybe a sign. Moving on. The two thieves went on together to steal. On the way, the big thief said to the little thief, Now give me proof of your skill in thieving. But the latter said, You were the big thief, you must show me your skill. What could I possibly do compared to you? The big thief consented. They saw, just at that moment, a pigeon sitting on a tree. The big thief said, No, you shall see me pull out the tail of that pigeon without its knowledge. Having said this, he went up the tree. When he had gone about halfway, the little thief silently stole under the tree, climbed up, and while the big thief pulled out the tail of the pigeon, the little thief took off his companion's underwear and promptly descended the tree. 
When the big thief came down and proudly showed the pigeon's tail, the little thief thrust his hand into his pocket and showed him the underwear. When the big thief saw this, he was struck with amazement and said, Although I'm famous, I do not think you at all are inferior to me. They laughed and continued on their way. On the way, the little thief inquired of the big thief, Well, what shall we steal tonight? Let us go tonight and break into the king's treasury, said the big thief. Very well, agreed his comrade, and they set out into town. At nightfall, when the tread of people's feet had ceased, the thieves took two bags and went to break into the king's treasury. "'Climb up into the treasury, gather the money. I shall fill the bags and then we can take them up and make off,' said the little thief. But the big thief would not consent. "'No,' said he. "'You are the smallest. Go inside and I shall stay here.' This made sense to the little thief, so he climbed up and collected the money. The big thief stayed outside and filled the bags. When the two bags were full, he made a sign. The little thief came out of the treasury, and they took the bags and went home. Next morning, the king went into his treasury. When he had looked in and seen what had happened, he called his council together, and he was very angry. But they all hatched a plan. They took a big barrel, filled it with pitch, and placed it at the entrance to the treasury. The thieves knew nothing of this. When night came again, they returned to steal some more money. The little thief said, "'Yesterday I went into the treasury. Today it's your turn. I'll watch for you.' The big thief consented. He went into the treasury and suddenly was caught fast. The little thief pulled hard, but his companion could not get away. Nothing but his head was visible. He was up to the neck in pitch.' When day dawned, the little thief saw that nothing could be done, and he did the only logical thing left. No, not turn and abandon the big thief. He took his dagger and cut off his comrade's head. Then he hid it in a place where no human being could possibly find it. He went home and told his late companion's wife what had happened, neglecting the part where he had been the one to have relieved her husband of his head. He warned her to be very careful and not to go out, for if it was discovered that they were interested in the dead man, they would most certainly be seized and killed. When day dawned, the guards found the big thief and told the king, A thief is caught in the trap, but he has no head. The king went himself and saw that in truth the thief had no head, and he was amazed. How could a headless man thieve? Then he commanded them, saying, Take his body and put it in the marketplace with sentinels to guard it. Whoever passes by and weeps at the sight of it will be guilty, because it will be a sign of pity for the thief. Bring such persons to me immediately. When the little thief heard this, he went home and instructed his companion's wife how to act. Take good care not to go out lest they discover you. And he told her what orders the king had given. The big thief's wife could not bear this, and entreated him to let her go, saying, I will stand far away and weep quietly. No one will recognise me. Very well, but be careful. Take a water jug with you as if to carry water, and when you near your husband's body, strike your foot against a stone, break the jar, and then sit down and weep as if you're mourning for the broken pitcher. The woman did exactly as she was told. She took the jar on her shoulder and went for water. 
When she came near the place where her husband's body was lying, she struck her foot on a stone, let the jar fall, and it broke. Then she sat down by the fragments and began to weep bitterly, apparently for the pitcher, but really for her husband. When she had wailed enough, she rose and went away. The sentinels were amazed. One miserable woman to cry that much for a broken pitcher! Night came on. The sentinels returned to the palace with the body of the thief and said to the king, We saw no one who wept except for one woman who struck her foot against a stone and broke her water jar, and for this she cried bitterly. The king was very angry, for he saw the trick the woman had played. He was enraged because they had not seized her and brought her to him, but had let her escape. So the king ordered the sentinels' heads to be cut off. As this ruse had not succeeded, the king thought of another. He sent the thief's corpse outside the town and left it there. Perhaps the right person would see it and come to steal it. Sentinels were posted and told that if anyone came to steal the corpse, they should seize him and bring him. On hearing this news, the little thief drove a donkey before him into a neighbouring village. There he had some cakes baked and turkeys and fowls roasted, put them in the saddlebag and hung it on the donkey. Then he bought some of the best wine and went on his way. He came to the place where the sentinels were posted and cried out, Do you want a guest? I have come from afar and I must stay here tonight. I fear someone may steal the donkey. Let us have a good supper. The mention of supper delighted the sentinels. They sat down and began to eat. The little thief poured them out wine. The sentinels drank deeply, but the thief did not drink a drop. When they had eaten, he said to them, I'm going to sleep. As I'm sleepy, you may watch the donkey and see that no one steals him. If he's lost, I shall accuse you before the king. Lie down and make yourself easy. This donkey of yours is not that attractive that you need to fear for him. It's not that cute a donkey, said the sentinels drunkenly. The little thief lay down and pretended to go to sleep, but he kept a sharp lookout. A short time afterwards, the sentinels fell asleep passed out as if they were dead. Then the little thief arose and lifted the body of his late companion on his back. He brought forward his donkey, put the corpse on it, and turned its head towards home. He himself lay down again and fell asleep. The donkey was used to finding its way home, and he lowered his head as if meditating, going straight home and knocking against the door. The big thief's wife came out and took down the dead body, put it on a couch, and wept. When her heart was consoled, she buried him in the earth under the couch. The garden might have been better rather than inside the house, but there we are. When morning came, the sentries awoke and roused their new companion. The little thief looked round and called his donkey. He saw that it was not there and set up a fearful cry. I will go and accuse you to the king! The sentinels were terrified and completely lost their heads when they saw that the corpse was gone. They drew money from their pockets and offered it to silence their noisy host. This was what he wanted. He had not only stolen the body, but also gained some money. The sentinels went to the king. When he heard their tale, he was extremely angry and ordered their heads to be cut off. This new plan having failed, he thought of another. A street was strewn with money. Sentinels were placed here and there and ordered to seize any passer-by who gathered up the money, 
for he would be the thief's master and companion. The little thief heard this news with joy. He got a pair of boots, covered them in tar, and went out with them under his arm. When he came to the street that was strewn with money, he sat down, took off his boots, and put the newly tarred boots on. Then he walked along the street boldly, singing a song. When he got to the end of the street, he took off the money that had stuck to his tarred boots, made a hole in the earth, and poured it in. Then he walked back to the other end of the street, cleaned his boots again, and buried the money. He did this the whole day, and by the evening he had picked up almost half of the money. The sentinels gathered up what was left, went to the king, and said, No one's taken the money, but a man was walking in the street from morning till night. The king was enraged that they had not taken in this man, and, as you guessed it, ordered them to be beheaded. Then he assembled his councillors and asked their advice. The king had a deer, and they agreed that if they were to let this animal loose, it would fall on its knees before the house of him who was guilty against the king. And the viziers said, Let the deer go, and it will fall on its knees in front of the house of the thief. The king took this advice, and they let the deer loose. It raced along the streets and fell on its knees just in front of the little thief's house. In the morning, when the little thief awoke, he looked out of his window and saw the king's deer kneeling in front of his house. He had heard of this deer before, so when he saw it, he knew what it meant. He went outside, seized hold of the deer, and brought it inside. He killed it and skinned it, and then he hid the skin carefully and kept the flesh. The king was mad with rage when they sought his deer and could not find it. He assembled his viziers and told the story of the lost deer. The viziers' resources were at an end now. They could not think of any other trap for the thief. But then there appeared, from no one knows where, an old woman. She approached the king and said, What will you give me if I find the lost deer? Whatever you ask for, said the king. Then give me my freedom. I shall not only give thee thy freedom, but I shall raise you to a rank of princess, replied the king. The old woman rose and went forth to seek the deer. She wandered until at last she came to the little thief's house. The little thief was not at home, and she saw the big thief's wife. She said, Daughter, if you have a piece of deer's flesh, please give it to me. It will cure a sick one of his illnesses. The thief's wife did not know of the cunning of the old woman, so she went into her house and brought out a piece of the deer's flesh. The old woman was joyful and did not wait. She rose and went away. When she had gone a little way, she met the little thief, who said, What is that? A piece of deer's flesh as a remedy for my trouble. The woman in that house gave it to me, said the woman. The little thief understood her. He saw through her cunning and said, What is the use of this morsel of flesh? Come with me and I can give you a whole dishful. You can eat as much as you like and I'll give you some to give to your friends. It'll be of a service to all of you. The old woman's head swam with pleasure. She turned back and went with the little thief. When the deceitful old woman was enticed into the house, he drew out his dagger and cut off her head. Then he took her body and buried it also under the couch. The king waited for the news, but the old woman never came. 
Some time passed by, but still the old woman did not come, and the king was enraged. He assembled his counsellors and said, What is the use of all this? Is there no way of trapping this thief? The viziers said, This fellow is so brave and such a clever thief that we cannot entrap him. Then the king rose up and said, Let the thief come to me. I shall not harm him, but shall give him my daughter to wife. He is so clever that I cannot take him by trickery. When the little thief heard this, he came to the king and said, I am that thief, and I come to do your majesty's will. The king was gobsmacked, yet he could not break his word. So he gave him his daughter in marriage. A neighbouring monarch heard this story. Every day he wrote irritating letters to the thief's father-in-law, the king, saying, Are you not ashamed to have anything to do with a low thief, to marry him to your daughter and call him son-in-law? The king was very much annoyed at these scornful reproaches, and at last fell ill, being able to bear them no longer. Then the king's son-in-law came to him and said, What is the matter? Why are you ill? His father-in-law told him everything, and he replied, Why distress yourself? Give me a few days' leave, and I shall show you one hell of a sight. A week next Tuesday, prepare a grand festival, and I shall be there. And he went away. He travelled on until he came to the kingdom of the Mocking Monarch, and he went into a house and rested. The next day he saw a tailor and said, I want a robe cut out of pieces of animal skin. It must be all different colours, and I want little bells put in it. When the tailor had finished this befuddling request, the thief gave him money and sent him away. Then he clad himself in the robe, took a glittering sword in his hand, and went to the palace. The porters did not want to let him in, but the thief said, I am Michael Gabriel, sent from God. I am commanded to take the souls of your king and queen to paradise, and if you trouble me I shall take your souls too, and shall send them into hell. He moved towards one of them, and the bells began to ring. The porters were so terrified they hid themselves. The thief went in to the king. When the king saw him, he grew pale. Michael Gabriel said, I give you a term of three days. In these three days put all your affairs in order. Appoint your successor. Strip off everything. Put yourselves in coffins and set the keys on the top. In three days I shall come again. Lock the coffins and take them away with me. When he had said this he went away, returned to the house, took off the robes of skins and waited for three days. On the third day he clothed himself as before and went again to the palace. The king and queen had stripped off everything and were in the coffins waiting. He called out, When you get to paradise you will hear a noise, then the coffins will open and your eyes will view a glorious scene. He took the keys, locked both the coffins, took them on his back and carried them out. He put them on his donkey, went behind it and gently called, Gee up! The agreed-upon Tuesday arrived, and the thief came to the court of his father-in-law, who had invited the whole of his kingdom and many neighbouring princes to a great feast. The thief came, and, as he lifted the coffins off the donkey, beautiful music was heard. The thief opened the coffins, and the king and queen jumped out naked and began to dance. The people saw their stupidity and fell about in side-splitting laughter. 
Then the king came and clothed them in royal robes and said, Now you can go back to your own country and rule your kingdom, but do not mock me any more. After this, the king loved his son-in-law very much, and when he died, left him the kingdom. Like I said, it's a story that you couldn't really guess the outcome of until you've actually heard it. What did you think of this tale from Georgia? I think this might be my favourite tale from this series so far, but that might change next week. Every series of What You May Have Mythed has concluded with a double-bill bonanza, and so far they have all been from Greece. There is still the double whammy to conclude this series, but we aren't going to Greece. Instead, we are heading back to Scandinavia, not for a Nordic folktale like a few weeks ago. Next week, we are delving deep and dark into the depths of Norse mythology. So you will hear me then for the first part of the series finale of this fourth series of What You May Have Mythed. <laughs>